2: Welcome in, Rob Black and your money, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Money invested in more, got an interesting show for you today, including, going to be talking to one of the top Bay Area chefs about organic food, about the food industry, about meats, the cost of meat, and much, much more. 800-516-1220 Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty 516 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about today, we can talk about. We can talk hockey, very good hockey. We can talk about the stock market. That's probably what is on most of your minds, especially when I start loading up the show with guests. That's when you want to talk stock market. Um, China goes west shopping for assets as Z is transforming their economy. That's a big headline off Bloomberg today. Chinese companies are going on their biggest global spending spree ever with marked change in strategy from buying resources to hunting for manufacturing expertise and financial companies as basically their economic policies kind of look for some roots. Um, the market's been ugly so far in November. And, you know, at times during this year, we've been looking at China. At times during this year, we've been looking at Europe. We're looking at monetary policy in the United States starting to go from easing to getting a little bit tighter and potentially raising interest rates in the United States based on strong jobless numbers. Um, Japan's about two years behind us. Europe's about two years behind Japan. China's not having a problem yet, or they're not admitting to one. So China's looking to grow by getting uh, acquisitive. So China National Chemical Corporation bid for Syngenta, the nation's uh, companies. Um, And Tycoons have proposed $128 billion of acquisitions outside the country this year. Syngenta is a a farming company. They're a seed company. They're a, hey, you want to build or you want to grow grapes in a desert? We'll figure out how to do it for you. Genetically modified seeds. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um China's next phase of growth are they able to keep up like they have in the past? um fed and data feeding fed and data feeding underlying concerns basically, a lot of people are worried about the Fed, but a lot of people are worried about the data that's coming out too. For instance, the data that came out today the u s retail sales rose one tenth of percent in October versus three tenths of percent rise expected. so the u s consumer's not going out and spending. We have this, you know, we have a surprise decline in automobile purchases for October. A suggestion to slow down in consumer spending because autos have been kind of carrying us. We have lower gasoline prices, so you'd think like, hey, people are going to go out and spend money at restaurants. People are going to go out and spend money on more gasoline. People are going to go out and spend more money on groceries. Like, ooh, well, I'm tired of eating uh, pork and chicken. I'm going to go get a piece of filet now. Sales at auto dealerships fell five-tenths of a percent. Retail sales excluding automobiles, gasoline, building materials, and food services rose two-tenths of a percent. That's the so-called core retail sales. And it corresponds most closely with the consumer spending component of gross domestic product. It's a very lackluster report. It suggests that suggests the savings from cheaper gasoline are only used, being used to pay rents. Ah, landlord raises your rent by six percent. You don't go out and spend that savings that you get on gas. You throw it to the, of the landlord. Retail sales were also held back by a nine-tenths of one percent. Let's just call it one percent drop in the value of sales at um, service stations, i.e., lower gas prices. So when we're configuring out all our numbers, when gas goes from three dollars a gallon to two ninety-five, it looks like lower sales, unless you're consuming more of it. That's kind of a, a wane thing out there today. I'm feeling like I might be depressing you today. Just throwing it out there for you. Where was the strength in retailers? It was in store retailers. It was in non-store retailers. It was in food service and drinking places, restaurants. I probably helped support that. A little too often, if you know what I'm saying. Um, So there's no good news from the Federal Reserve in the producer price index. The producer price index for final... Final demand declined four tenths of a percent in October on top of unrevised half percent decline in October. It's down one point six percent year over year, which is a record decline for the final demand index. So that's not good. The economy's not that strong, but hold on. Hold your horses, Mickey. Wasn't it one week ago the jobs numbers came out were fantastic? Yes. It's very, very rough uh market at this point in time to say, why are we lower? What's going on? Why is the NASDAQ up 5% this year while the Dow's down slightly? Um, And holy mackerel, we got a month and a half left in the year, of which two of the weeks are absolute throwaways, maybe even three of the weeks if you think about it. Christmas and uh, New Year's falls on Saturdays this year. So U.S. retail sales look weak. And we're at two weeks to Black Friday. Two Fridays until Black Friday. So, and all the Black Friday deals are already starting to start getting out there. So, um, record oil stockpiles, an unprecedented buffer. so says the International Energy Agency. So, record global oil stockpiles could offer an unprecedented buffer in times of geopolitical shock. So, we've got the world saying, hey, please don't raise interest rates right now, because, like, it's going to mess us up a little bit. We're doing it, or we're looking to do it. Plus, we got this oil issue where everyone but the United States—not everyone—many economies really rely on oil. So you've seen oil prices drop in the United States. You know, you're not seeing—you uh, know—the the theme from Dallas. Da-da, 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 da-da. Um, people in Dallas hate that because the Dallas soap opera TV show came out basically during the oil bust of the '80s. So the, it was—it was, it was kind of like. Let's let's write this great soap opera and oil's super high and people are super rich in Dallas, and then that came out as oil was busting and a lot of people in Dallas and Houston lost their jobs. Oil is busting again and um, Dallas and Houston's a little bit more buffered this time. So demand growth has risen to a five-year high, uh, with India galloping up at the, at the fastest pace. So we're seeing some demand for oil out there. But when you take a look at it, um, oil prices are at forty-one dollars a barrel. We need oil at forty-five, to really around fifty, for the world to like stop breaking a sweat. So we're not there yet, as you could obviously well tell. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the Chipotle's tough year just got a little bit worse. And this is one of the things that I'm going to talk to with uh, Josiah Sloan later today about sustainable foods and organic foods and what it all means. The fast casual Mexican restaurant got more bad news after an E. coli outbreak prompted it to close its stores temporarily and led to a widespread media coverage. Chipotle has hit its lowest consumer perception since. Uh, It's called a YouGov brand index, a metric that tracks whether consumers would consider buying its food. It also dropped. So it's a a, a survey that covers about 27,000 people. And right after Chipotle uh, shut down 43 restaurants in Seattle and Portland, they, they went out and did this. And, you know, Chipotle has also battled a pork shortage this year. They had to suspend a relationship with one of its key suppliers. So 8% more adults had a positive view before the E. coli shut down than after. As of Halloween, nearly a quarter of adults said that they would consider buying Chipotle the next time they wanted to eat fast food. That since census dropped to about 19%. It's pretty interesting to know. So you can see how sometimes media stories can affect consumption stories. I'm not black talking all things financial. Come up, we're talking Barracuda hockey.
1: It's the Friday Ice, Friday ice Report. Oh, what a dandy a score! Your San Jose Barracuda hockey updates.
2: Joining me now, Eric Lindquist. time to talk a little hockey on the Friday Ice Report. Eric, how are you?
3: It's a little strange. I'm down here in uh, sunny San Diego. Uh, I've got the uh, balcony uh, door open and looking at the uh, Pacific Ocean and uh, getting ready for some hockey games this weekend. It's a strange feeling.
2: <laughs> Speaking of which, I remember when hockey came to California and... Well, not when hockey came to California, but when hockey became real to California, it was basically tied to Wayne Gretzky coming to the L.A. Kings, wasn't it?
3: That was the, that was what started the whole uh, craze uh, that we know now in California with, uh, you know, all sorts of NHL teams, Anaheim, L.A., uh, San Jose, and now uh, five AHL teams. And if it weren't for a uh, number 99 getting traded uh, from the Edmonton Oilers to the L.A. Kings, I'm not sure if I'd be standing on this balcony today uh, talking to you, Rob, about uh, Barracuda hockey. Who knows?
2: Well said, because I think we do owe a lot to the great one, 99. Uh, He certainly fascinated Americans and the beauty of the sport of hockey, but we're here to talk Barracuda. We're not here to talk LA Kings or Edmonton Oilers or the great one himself. It's Eric Lindquist, voice of the San Jose Barracuda. How did the, the teddy bear toss go on Saturday?
3: You know what? Uh, we weren't quite sure what to expect. Um, we had done the Teddy bear toss, uh, several years in Worcester, Mass where the, uh, were located the last nine years. And it was an event that kind of grew over the years with the amount of Teddy bears that were tossed onto the ice. But on Saturday, the, uh, San Jose fans did a terrific job, uh, showering the ice with, uh, hundreds of uh, Teddy bears after Barkley Goodrow scored late in the second period. And, uh, the Teddy Bear Toss made its rounds around social media uh, nationally. Uh, one fan or a group of fans brought a uh, gigantic teddy bear that had to weigh 100 pounds, and it took, uh, you know, 20, 30 fans to lift the teddy bear up over the glass and onto the ice, and uh, it got quite a bit of love on uh, social media uh, throughout the country. So it was a, a great event on Saturday and those uh, teddy bears are to be donated to local charities uh by our players after we get back from this road trip this weekend. Uh
2: family <clears throat> a, crew, a family that I know we were talking to them and uh we were talking about the teddy bear toss and they're like, "Oh yeah, we've heard about that." So the word about the San Jose Barracuda, they're getting around uh especially amongst families. Uh so a family-friendly event like a teddy bear toss when a, a player scores, good charitable thing but makes the family feel good, it teaches the, the kid, charity, which is a tough thing to teach in this
3: day and age. Well, you know, it's what it's all about at the American Hockey League level is getting a, a different group of fans involved in the sport of hockey. And, Rob, we've talked about it before. Uh, you know, it's a different experience than going to a Sharks game. You know, tickets are as low as $12. Uh, if you bring a group of 10 or more, uh, everyone scores a free Barracuda hat. Uh, there's chuck-a-puck in between periods where kids can throw rubber pucks onto the ice on the targets. Uh, It's just a whole different feel, a more laid-back, kind of funky family feel to a Barracuda game. And if you haven't checked one out yet, uh, I highly recommend that you do. And, And you're right, there is some momentum going right now, and people are starting to chat a little bit about the Barracuda. And our goal is if you come to a game once, we know you're going to come back again because you have such a great time. It's just getting people in for that first game at the SAP Center.
2: So for those who don't know, the Barracuda are the AHL affiliate for the NHL San Jose Sharks. So a lot of the Sharks that you're seeing called up this year have already gotten some ice time with the Barracuda. And they'll they'll shuttle them back and forth. And it's nice that they're in their hometown San Jose to, to pull that off. Probably really nice with the players, I would imagine. But you've hit the road. You're on a seven-game road trip, and this is um, stuff that movies are made out of. This is legendary. This is bus trips. This is I'm not going to say bars after a hockey game because things are much more professional than they were in the '80s and '90s. But uh, it's 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 movie fodder, is it not?
3: Well, you know, we let's put it this way. Um, You know, I've been doing this now for 12, 13 years, and we used to have a lot more fun. You know, 10, 12 years ago, uh, on the bus. Uh, But there's so much at stake now with the players moving back and forth from the American Hockey League and the NHL that the margin of error is so slim that, you know, guys really do remain focused even on the road. Um, You know, we did the the bus drive uh, to Ontario on Wednesday and the bus down to San Diego on Thursday But uh, the the real key to this trip will be the long long bus trip back to San Jose after the game on Saturday night. You know, I'm thinking it could take anywhere from 9 to 12 hours. So, uh, you know, my fingers are crossed there's no traffic on the 5, but I know better. But, uh, you know, it's a lot of movies. It's a lot of, you know, guys playing on their, uh, you know, their tablet phones. And, uh, you know, for the staff, it's, uh, you know, just kind of looking at the clock and, looking out the windows and, and uh, counting out before we get back to the SAP Center. So it's going to be a long trip on Saturday night, and hopefully the Barracuda come back with some victories, much needed victories, because right now uh, the team is struggling a little bit to, to score goals and pick up wins.
2: Sounds like the San Jose Sharks as well. Um, who, who's the goofball on the team? When you're on a bus for seven, eight hours, who's the guy who uh, makes everyone laugh?
3: You know, it's it's um, it, it, it's um funny. I think the team is still trying to find its identity. Uh, you know, if you asked me last year, uh, you know, there were two or three guys that kind of kept the, the team pretty loose, but uh, it's still early in the season. And I think the team's still trying to figure out, uh, especially the younger players, how they kind of fit into the mold of the team. So, you know, right now it's uh, pretty, uh, I wouldn't say quiet, but I, I think it's still in the feeling out process, Uh Nikita uh, Yeppalov, a 21-year-old kid from uh, Latvia, Uh, he tends to get guys going a little bit. He's always smiling. He's always uh, chatting away. So if I had to pick one guy right now, it's probably Nikita.
2: Okay. So I was talking to our producer, um, and he kind of helps produce your show, Kevin, and he said one of the things that I did not know is that you – have a lot more duties other than just the voice of the Barracuda. Um, Eric Lundquist, I would have thought that, you know, on the outside you're just the voice. You're paid for those dulcet tones. Uh, What else do you do for the Barracuda?
3: Well, you know, my job title is the public relations and broadcasting manager. Uh, But uh, in minor league sports, uh, you you, you wear many uh, different hats. Um, You know, for this road trip, you know, I'm booking – our team meals, uh, the itinerary, making sure our players get per diem. Um, you know, we had some player movement yesterday. I had a book flights to make sure the the two players that came from our ECHL affiliate in Allen could arrive here in San Diego and had hotel rooms. And then, uh, you know, the, the two players that headed out uh, to make sure they were all set. So there's a lot, uh, you know, but, you know, anyone within the uh, minor league hockey organization uh you know, you, you just don't necessarily have one job. Uh, it's a kind of all hands on deck, and it, it's uh, you know it's a great experience and you get to you know get your hands involved in a lot of different aspects of professional sports. So uh, it's uh, it, it's certainly rewarding.
2: So Eric, get that mustache grown for November. Send us a picture, and we'll put up on, on our web page. Good <laughs> luck with the rest of the road trip. I'm speaking with Eric Lindquist. Thanks very much. The voice of the San Jose Barracuda heard here on. AM 1220 KDOW, every game to be found through our digital network.
1: You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station.
2: Welcome in. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Joining me now, personal financial editor with IB Times, Lauren Lyons-Cole. How are you, Lauren?
4: Good. How are you, Rob?
2: I'm well. I think I've talked to you before, once or twice, when you were with a different group.
4: Yeah. Excited to be um, back on with you again today.
2: Absolutely. You're a CFP. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
4: Yeah. So I am a certified financial planner. I work with clients um, in a broad range, but I work with a lot of young people, so I get to see firsthand what financial issues millennials are struggling with.
2: Let's talk about millennials. Um, the media has this perception of them that's kind of skewed because of television shows like Girls. They're 18 mm-hmm. to 25, entitled, 18 to 35, I guess, um, entitled, young, smart, uh, lazy. Um, what's your definition of a millennial? You know, I think millennials
4: get a bad rap. I mean, overall, actually, because they've graduated into this difficult economy, millennials are taking really good steps with their money. In fact, they're more conservative than many of the older generations, um, which could serve them well in some ways and and could actually be a hindrance in other ways.
2: I spoke to a conference at Visa where they asked me to speak to millennials, and what shocked me the most was uh, in their 401K, they were staying in cash.
4: Yes. So, this is a huge issue. Um, millennials, in fact, there's a record amount of cash in 401ks in general, and most of that cash belongs to millennials, and this is very concerning since millennials have the longest time horizon before retirement.
2: So you're recently a um, financial editor. So what's that mean? What's it, what do you get to do? Do you get to tell your writers a direction to take? Because as a financial planner, you would have a, an excellent opportunity to do that.
4: Yeah, I think one of the things we're trying to do with the Millennial Money Series at International Business Times is really to encourage millennials and to help them understand, you know, to make sense of their financial uh, choices that they're making and never to talk down to people. What we really want to do is, you know, help millennials know that we understand where they're coming from um, and then give them action steps. People love to-do lists, so um, we're all about empowering people to make good decisions so that they can grow their wealth in the long run.
2: When I get a call from someone who's 60 and they've got $40,000, some they ask me what they should do for retirement. I'm like, basically work till the day you die, try to get healthy. But I love yeah. the millennials' action because you've got a long time. You've got 40, 50, 60 years before you retire. So, um, time is right. probably the most valuable thing to a millennial and they have it.
4: Exactly. You know, cause we hear that historically the stock market goes up, you know, 8% on average over time, but very few years actually have an 8% return. So most years, you know, it might be up a lot, it might be down a lot, but millennials have the benefit, even though they're afraid of investing and getting into the stock market and they have seen their parents get burned perhaps in recent years, but they have the time to ride those waves. And in the long run, their balances will grow and they'll be in a much better position uh, than some of their, their parents might be.
2: I can speak well to that because um, what you talked about is having that fear. I consider myself a grayback or a silverback gorilla. I'm I'm one of the older ones. Yeah. But some of the young weather girls at the television station that I work at, they ask me, they're like, "This looks French to me. Can you just make the decisions for me?" I'm like, "I can. I shouldn't, Mm -hmm. but I can." Um, But also try to hold their hands it and say, "Okay, you need a little small cap. You need a little mid cap. You need a little large cap. You need a little international and a little income."
4: That's a good start. Yeah, you raise a good point because for young employees, you can look to some of perhaps your boss or or older employees and ask for help because they've been through it. Um, But if you don't have access to that sort of advice, it doesn't hurt to just default into a target date retirement fund in your 401k and, you know, identify the one that matches up most closely when you'll be around 65, around retirement age. And that's a good, easy step to get started instead of leaving the money in cash.
2: Speaking with Lauren Lyons-Cole, she's representing Investor um, International Business Times. She's the personal financial editor, talking a uh, little millennial money um, on the series on that. Um, 401K, probably the most powerful tool or 403B for a, a millennial, would you say?
4: Yeah, either you know, if you have one at work, absolutely, especially if there's a matching from your employer. Of course, another great uh, retirement account, which we all talk about so often, is the Roth IRA. Uh, and when you're young and can contribute at, for 2015 up to $5,500, if you invest that money, even in just a target date fund or if you can have someone help you with the allocations, over time, as that money grows, you'll never have to pay taxes on that money again because you contribute with after-tax dollars today. So the Roth IRA, when you're young and have the benefit of time, can be a really powerful retirement savings tool. Uh, And then, of course, the 401K when you're getting matching or if you want to save even more than $5,500 a year is uh, also very, very powerful.
2: What's your thoughts on – sometimes I get approached by younger people and they want to do the penny stocks or they want to do the the tech stocks or – Uh, say, for instance, Netflix, or the riskier stocks, I'm young, Mm. I'll I'll take more risk. How do you respond to them?
4: You know, I think a good way to get started is you can use Google Finance and set up a portfolio there. Um, And without actually putting any money in, you could pretend to be investing. Uh, So add in stocks, like if you're interested in Netflix, which, by the way, is incredibly volatile, uh, or if you're interested in Amazon or Apple, these Facebook, these sorts of stocks that we're familiar with because we use them on a day-to-day basis, start tracking them um, in Google Finance and watch what that volatility looks like so um, over time, you get a sense of if that's something that you can really stomach or not. And if you get very – you know, I always encourage people, if you get interested in investing, by all means, educate yourself and do it. But just know that most people who are making good money from investing in stocks spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week researching it. And so, you know, I've got a lot of friends like that, and they're making good money, but it's it's a all-in, full-time effort on, on their part.
2: I tend to say something very similar. I tend to say once you get 100000 if you want to – Put $10,000 in something silly like Disney or Nike, something that was around when you were a little kid. It's fine. And then do that for a year and see how it goes. And don't go all in, per se, because the Lululemons, they sometimes come and sometimes they go and sometimes they come and they keep coming and they keep coming and they keep coming. But um, a lot of people make the mistake of um, too much risk too early on. And then they get that bad taste in their mouth.
4: It's very true, especially with um, with some of these, like you said, some of these younger companies that don't have a proven, or they might have a proven business model, but it's not necessarily um, transitioned into a blue chip stock, as we call it. Like you mentioned, Disney or Coca-Cola, these companies that we grew up with and uh, are relatively stable. They have a lot of cash. They're um, less likely to go under with um, one bad turn.
2: Now, when you're speaking with a millennial, Lauren, are you more likely... A lot of people like to invest in what they know, and they know that the stock market's been volatile in the last 10 years, and millennials, that's all they've seen. So they're kind of scared. But what do you think about, like, international investing, emerging markets investing, um, maybe small cap U.S. investing? How do you get the millennial educated enough to go where they're a little uncomfortable?
4: So those are all essential parts of a healthy portfolio, especially when you're young international investments, particularly emerging markets, and also small cap domestic stocks um, are more risky. And so they have the potential to actually return higher rates than perhaps, you know, Disney or these, these more established companies that are a little bit clunkier, slower moving. Um, but they also have the potential to go down quite a bit. And so I think the best way to get into those It's very, very hard to actually understand the nuances of of companies in that environment. So you're better off looking for an ETF or a mutual fund that focuses on it for you.
2: And here comes your softball, Lauren. Any last things that you want to throw out? Any last ideas to get people motivated? Maybe a website, maybe information about yourself, anything you want to talk about?
4: Well, you can always go to the International Business Times Millennial Money section because we're constantly publishing new, um, relevant information for our readers. Um, but, you know, another great thing just to say today as an action step for anyone who's listening is to log into your employer, employee benefit portal and increase your 401k contribution by 1%, 2%, 3%. Do it today. Why not? You won't even notice. Thanks very much. Thank you, Rob.
2: Lauren Lyons-Cole, she's awesome. As a CFP, let me, again... On occasion, I'm going to break, you know, my character, you know, save money, get to retirement. I'll do what, you know, tough love. I love seeing a CFP that's a female, that talks money, that talks millennials, that doesn't make people feel stupid. Um, The 21st century is bringing in, it's opening the door for a lot more financial information that's not, I'm smarter than you, or I've got an app and you don't, or I've got an office with, like, nice marble and you don't, and nice marble equals I'm wealthy um, I hate that side of the financial industry. And that's so, I don't want to say early 20th century cause it's, it's late 20th century, but I'm so happy to be in the 21st century where people could communicate about information a little bit easier, a little bit smoother. So with that being said, uh, that's Lauren Lyons Cole, and you can find her at IBTimes.com, That's Ivy Switching back to our markets. Um, and what we're doing, it's we're wrapping up the end of the year and I don't want you to be upset. I don't want you to be scared. Um, you know, the Dow's down, uh, 2% for the year, maybe a little bit more. After today, the S&P 500 is down less than 1%. The Nasdaq's up 5.7%. Now, again, the markets have had a glorious six years run. And anyone that tells you that like, real estate's better than the stock market, take a look at the last six years. Take a look at what happens when you put money in the market when it is down. You're buying at a lower cost. That's wonderful. A house is a static liability. So you buy it in the year 2006. You sell it in the year 2030. Whereas investing, you continue to pump money into it on a regular basis. So when you actually get lower markets, you're happy. So it's an odd way of thinking, but it's a great way of thinking. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. The number one thing you have to overcome, the number one thing you have to do to be a successful investor is overcoming your fears. You have to look at the, the stock market chart, and basically every kind of douchey financial planner um financial expert has one of them in their office. It's a chart of the stock market in the last eighty years, ninety years, and it, it's it's like that teeter totter. You know, the teeter totter on when one fat kid's on the on, on the one side and it just slowly goes up, slowly goes up, slowly goes up. It's not at a forty five degree angle, but it's at a very nice angle over time. You don't notice the downs, you don't notice the shocks when you take a look at the big picture. The short term you deal. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com.
1: Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: Welcome in. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I know sometimes I go off script, and I know sometimes you're expecting something. If you want to tell me what you're expecting, drop me an email or call the show. Rob at robblackshow.com. Say, I want you to do this. Please, please don't ever talk about millennials. Or I want you to do this. Please, please don't ever talk. Hockey. Hockey is a way of my life. I think it's the most beautiful sport. It's the fastest sport. I think it's a team sport. Unlike basketball, which could be dominated by three players. Mm Mm-mm. Hockey doesn't have that same privilege. So I'm going to talk about things that were my passion and things that I think you should do. I think every dad who's got a kid who's six or older should introduce them to the Star Wars trilogy. The original trilogy, four, Five, and six, skip one, two, three, and um, <clears throat> take him to the new, movie. but also, when you get home, show them an investment in Star Wars. There's a company called Disney. Take a look at that stock. Disney's not just Star Wars, Disney is the Avengers. Disney is uh, Pixar, the big dinosaur movie coming out. If you take a look at the chart starts in the lower left-hand corner, and it goes up to the upper right-hand corner. So will the force be with Disney in the future forevermore? Probably not. Next big terrorist act, there's a good chance that, you know, Disney stock goes lower. It did the last time there was. People were afraid to go outside, or people thought they were afraid to go outside for about two days. And then they went back outside. And it's the best thing you can do. Anytime there's a natural disaster the best thing you can do is book a vacation to that city. The first five years after Katrina, the best thing you can do is go to New Orleans and then find the next city that needs you. Spend your dollars there. But I want you to sit down with your kid and you can go buy one share of Hasbro, one share of Disney. I'm sure there's other force investments. Hasbro makes the dolls. Hasbro makes the toys. If Star Wars toy sales are strong going into the movie's December release, Hasbro might offset the impact of a stronger dollar. Now, Hasbro's an international company. Does the Force, does Luke, Luke. And I've got a theory on this, by the way. But first theory, Chewbacca dies. Got to have some big sacrifice, right? To get everyone all riled up. And- <laughs> But second one, I think the bad guys become good guys, and good guys become bad guys. So, something along that. Those Rebels were too pesky in the first three films. So Anyway, um, Hasbro makes toys. And if you go into Target, if you go into Walmart, if you go into Toys R Us, there's nothing. I'm not going to say nothing, but there's a lot of Star Wars toys right now. Um Hasbro's stock traditionally moves up 3% or down percent in reaction to an analyst day meetings. Star Wars, meanwhile, represents 10 to 15% of Hasbro's sales. So the analyst day, um, December 18th, is the Star Wars movie launch, which is pretty interesting. Sharp decline in Hasbro stock last month occurred largely because of a strong dollar, but they got the force coming up. It's one to look at. I'm not saying one to go with. I'm partitioned. I'm kind of in the opposite camp. I think everyone knows Star Wars is coming out. So I'm looking at Mattel and Barbie. And Barbie, if you take a look at what the Barbie offering is these years, she's getting smarter. She's not a chick who goes, let's go buy clothes. She's now, she's got a blog, and she's talking about social issues. Um, And I think that's a good thing. But then again, her figure still probably upsets a lot of millennial and Generation X moms. So... Well, a lot of millennial internet fathers are like, "Woo!" So I don't know if that makes any sense or if I just made myself look stupid or maybe both. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Oil is a big story right now as it's it's weakening as the year goes on. Um, That's pretty interesting uh, because it it tells you the global economies are struggling. There's not a lot of demand. U.S. jobs are good. U.S. jobs equal paychecks. Paychecks equal spending. Our economy looks good. I'm not going to say it's the best economy in the world. I'm going to say it's, it's a solid, well-known thing. Um, do we still have really big issues, social issues in the United States? You bet. And I, I'm not the show to fix those. I'm not very left. I'm not very right. I'm kind of in the middle. Um, I think you should set up a portfolio that, that kind of plays with the same concept where you don't skew too much into technology, where you don't skew too much into you know, uh, banks, where you don't skew too much into market timing. I want you to have a baseball team. And a baseball team has nine positions, I think. And, you know, even the pitching staff, you have to have long relief, short relief. I have no problem with a short-term trade, as long as you know it's a short-term trade. I have no problem with you saying, you know what, I'm going to own Disney till the day I die. That's fine. And maybe that, you know, maybe that's your veteran. You know, maybe that's your veteran catcher. Whereas you need something kind of sexy and fun, maybe you go, let's go Nike. No, no, that's a veteran. Maybe you go kind of like pretty solid performer, Steph Curry and the, the, the golfer, um, Under Armour. Or maybe you go even further down the chain and go Lululemon. Uh, one of the three could be your play. Um, I think the, sh- the the more riskier is a shorter time frame to pull money out. Whereas the bigger name is the the more conservative, where you buy when it, it falls. You don't sell when it, it falls. Um, so oil is the big story today. China is going on a shopping spree for some West um, corporations. Interesting the way that China is playing it at this point in time. Um, GoPro is below its IPO price. When you look at a GoPro, this is one of those story stocks, and it's very... Mm, very Tom Hanks. That's a great story, Forrest, and you tell it so well. GoPro's a great story, but they make a camera. What's the camera inside your Apple called? No, it's called your Apple camera. <laughs> you don't know what it's called. More than likely. I don't like the commoditization that I'm seeing going on with GoPro. Do I think it hits the bottom soon? Yes. We'll talk about that on a future episode. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.